Hello, listeners, and welcome to United 2's Feedback. We start the conversation, you finish it. I'm your host for today, Brett Dobransky. In this episode, we talk about COVID-19 and the effects that it has had on the staff, students, university, and Morgantown as a whole. Robert Stover and I sat down with WVU Dean of Students Corey Ferris to talk about related issues facing students and citizens alike, from vaccinations, mask restrictions, and a longing for social interaction. Let's give that interview a listen. Good afternoon, U92 listeners. I'm Robert Stover. With me is my host, Brett Dobransky. And with us is our special guest, the Dean of Students at West Virginia University, Corey Ferris. And with that, Brett, I say we should get started. Yes, let's. Uh, So one of the first questions we have for you, Corey Ferris, is obviously we are going through a very difficult time right now with COVID, both sort of socially and medically. Things are in a very tight spot right now. How do you think that Morgantown has dealt with it so far? Well, I think Morgantown, and and in particular, I'll I'll narrow it to our students and our faculty and staff, I think we're doing really very, very, very well. I mean, you know, when you look at that vaccination rate, you know, that was last out there was at 91 and some change for faculty and staff and was it 82% or something like that for students? I, I think we've done remarkably well. It's helped keep us out of the hospital. It's allowed us to continue to operate and offer WVU up all night uh, and other programming to our students. It's allowed us to continue in-person classes that um, you know we didn't have to suspend that we had to do in the past. So I think on the whole, we're doing quite well. And in particular through this search, because we're vaccinated. I think that's very well said. Is there anything that we think we could be doing better? Is there something that as a community, we can sort of put a little bit more effort into? To me, the things that we need to pay, continue to pay attention to is to make sure when it's our time to be boosted, to get that booster shot, to make sure we've got that added protection, as well as just pay attention to when we're in those crowded situations to make sure that we've got, uh, got on a good mask. Um, and, you know, and CDC's got some recommendations out there, and I think the federal government's starting to distribute uh, those KN95 masks to help, again, when we're in those close situations and we need to wear masks, those are better masks. So I think we pay attention to that as well as if we don't feel well, we, we stay in, and, and because whether it's, you know, at that point, we don't necessarily know when we don't feel well. Is it the cold? Is it the flu? Do we have COVID? And so until you take that rapid test or you go to the rec center and uh, take the rec center test, uh, COVID test, uh, it's, I always think it's safer to be a little bit more cautious um, because, again, we're trying to slow the spread. We don't want people to get ill. And though you or I may have minimal symptoms, I do think about um, our community members who have compromised systems and they're, they're the ones that are really affected people over the age of 65 or 70 or something like that. So those are the ones that we're protecting. So those extra things of the booster shot and wearing masks out in public are are so important. We have variables like traveling that can affect the rates in Morgantown with so many students like going away and then coming back. Personally, I was infected with COVID-19 over the winter break. Thankfully, I didn't bring it back. But as we approach spring break, how important do you think these these practices are going to be for students maybe traveling to other states and then coming back in less time. You know, now we don't we don't have the three weeks. We only have about the, the 12 days, I believe. That's a great question. And a- anecdotally, I mean, you know, I've, I've been a been working on college campuses for many, many, many years. And, and you're right. To me, 
a few weeks after, you know, a week to 10 days after we start classes in the fall, 10 days or so after Thanksgiving recess, 10 days after semester break, and five or 10 days after spring break, it, it seems like there's a wave of colds and flus that go through. And, and I'm, that's sort of pre-COVID, you know, and, and that's your, you're exactly right. We go to different parts of the world and, and, and the country and, and spring break trips and we interact with others and we bring those colds and flus back. And so it absolutely is a concern. And again, it goes back to how do we protect ourselves and how do you protect other people? Because you do, you do want to leave town for spring break, whether you're going home or you're going to the beach, or you're going skiing or you're taking a a spring break trip overseas, you know, it'll be critical to, you know, monitor yourself, take your precautions wherever you are. So if you're out in public, wear the mask, make sure you have the booster, you know, when you're eligible for the booster. And then when you come back, it's that self-monitoring, continue to wear a mask, wait those four or five days or, you know, because that's generally when they say symptoms are showing up. We've now got access to those at-home tests. So whether you still have the one from WVU or you order them from the federal government, four or five days after your turn from being away, test yourself to see how you're doing. I mean, again, those are all the tools that we've got at our disposal. You know, masks, self-test, you know, tests at the rec center, you know, uh, vaccine shots, boosters, you know. So those, those are the tools that allow us to keep moving forward and minimize our disruptions to those around us. We thought two years ago, if you were students, that we were going to leave for spring break and come back, you know, a couple of weeks after. But it turned out that that didn't that didn't work well. And then similarly, last year, um, how we managed things that we didn't have students return after Thanksgiving break and and. Um, again, that was before vaccines and before some of the, some of the things that we know now, um, as well as the easier access to, to better masks and, and self-tests. So, you know, I'm listening to our public health folks with Dr. Marsh and, and uh, Dr. Coben. And so I, I think they've given us pretty good guidance and we've gotten to where we are now with their guidance. Another question for you here. Obviously, there are a lot of repercussions that have come out of this in, in almost every aspect of our lives now. What do you think are some re- repercussions that people don't talk about enough that comes from uh, the COVID-19 pandemic? That's a great question. I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, because I, I mean, I think, you know, people have talked about the importance of continuing to maintain personal personal, I'll say the personal relationships that we need to continue to talk to each other and be with each other. We figured out Zoom, but we know that that's not also the perfect way of doing things that we still need in-person interaction. Um, we've talked about um, uh, how for some of us it's affected our mental health because we've not been able to do some things that we wanted to do. We know it's stressed some people who may have some compromised immune systems, and we've got to worry about other people other than ourselves in a very different way. Um, um, I, I, you know, I mean, certainly we're aware of the arguments, uh, you know, about whether, you know, that, that some people, you know, uh, uh, don't want to take the vaccine. Um, um, and, and, you know, I follow the science and so I'm comfortable with it. And so I know some people don't believe in the science behind it. Um, so that's always frustrating. So I, I don't know if there's any particular thing that comes to mind that we're not talking about. I mean, I, th- I think it's, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, I mean, talking about, okay, what's life post-COVID going to be like once? Well, I don't think we're not there yet. 
but we're optimistic and looking forward to say, okay, that, okay, if this is going to be with us forever in some way, shape or form, then how do we, you know, and we all hate that term, what's the new normal look like? I mean, what's, so what's it going to be like? We're not there yet, but we know eventually we're going to be traveling around the country again, and we're going to be traveling overseas again. And, and so, but what, what that we're still trying to figure out what that landscape is and none of us have that crystal ball to see where we'll be in in a year or five years so I, that's a that's a great question I, i'm going to think about that one for a while <laughs> it's a good one sort of a, a follow-up question you briefly touched on it um in terms of the communication to students about the access to some of these um you know, some of these practices or recommended behaviors for COVID-19, we usually get, or at least in my experience, we have gotten the emails through our mix account. What other mediums is the university using to sort of spread that information to communicate to students? Just for like a broader reach, if that makes sense. All of us are sort of consumers of information, whatever that may be. And so, I mean, I personally think, and I've got friends at uh, colleagues at other colleges and universities who have not done, um, I think we've done a great job at getting information out. And my, my colleagues at other schools, when I talk to them, they're doing it just differently. But I mean, I think, uh, you know, not only through those emails, I mean, we're pushed, information has been shared and um, uh, through social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram, it's been out on Facebook. So you know, it depends on what you do. Plus, I'll say old fashioned paper signs and or signs at entrances and on bulletin boards and by elevator uh, lobbies where you push the button signs there, you know, those information stations, those TV monitors that are around campus. Um, and plus, yeah, I, you you probably remember from last year, we had what were called campus conversations. So we had live um, webinars or live Zoom meetings where people could ask us questions, ask the experts, you know, from Dr. Marsh, Dr. Coben, Provost Reed, ask anybody, uh, any of those questions. And, and as well as we kept those questions and built that what's called that return to campus website, which has got all that COVID information. But we have taken that information from those, from all those different sources, whether it's coming in emails or phone calls or those campus conversations, and we answer those questions and push them out there. That's how we need. That's how we learn what inform, information people need. And, and I'll use this as an example too. I mean, so you know, the DA has been a part of it, of sharing that information, and U92 has been a part of sharing that information. So there isn't a to me. There's not a magic bullet because different people pay attention to different things, and and at different times, some people are really engaged and will look at their email. But, you know, they may be sidetracked when some important piece of information comes out through email, but they may see it the next day on an info station or a sign or something like that where we've changed, uh, you know, some guidance. So, you know, we use lots of different things and hopefully it's been effective. Uh, sort of jumping off of that, how different would you say it is being in, uh, in a higher position in the school now uh, than uh, pre-COVID? Well, for me and in my role as dean of students it's a little bit harder to connect because of how we're interacting with each other and so many uh, student organizations and other things uh, other meetings have become more convenient you know to stay on zoom even though there are ways that we can have those in-person meetings and so for me dropping in or interacting with students on that informal basis is much more intentional now because i'm i'm looking for those 
interactions. Whereas before I could just easily walk outside the building or walk out of the office or walk into the mountain layer and see a number of students that I regularly interact with. And, and I think those informal one minute or two minute interactions that you have with the students or with other administrators that I work with, you know, right before a meeting begins or right after a meeting begins when you're standing out in the hallway waiting for that meeting room to, to open up because there's a previous meeting or someone comes out of that meeting, you know, I mean, that just that quick one minute, two minutes, sometimes lots more business or I can help a student solve a problem in that one or two minute rather than, you know, those and those accidental um, run-ins with each other where we bump into each other and oh by the way I had this problem whereas you know if, if I'm only seeing you on zoom that doesn't happen as readily because you may not tell me about a personal issue and if if I come to your club meeting or if I come to the U92 staff meeting it makes it a little bit more difficult for you to talk about a personal issue you know in, in a situation like this versus if I came to a physical staff meeting you pull me aside and say, hey, I had this problem with this, you know, with, you know, whatever, you know, and, and um, th that's how it's affected me. Do you think maybe the, the continuous use of mediums like Zoom has hindered, you know, some of your work or enhanced it in like a different way because you've had to adapt to the, the constraints of that medium? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I, I think it's just the evolution of, of, and it may have sped up, but we were already, to me, we were already heading in this direction. And so I think COVID sped it up. Um, and, and in particular, a, a year and a half ago or two years ago, when we, when we really were at home and really weren't interacting, that was the difficult part. But now, because we can interact in, in person, you know, we're careful, we're vaccinated, we're wearing masks and things like that. I, I do think that it, it's just an evolution. I mean, I, I appreciate it because I do get the convenience factor. And when I have meetings set up with students or others, people are less likely to miss those meetings because you don't have to drive across town. You don't have to, you know, you know, run into a friend, you know, and, and um, you have this longer conversation than you're anticipating, it's very easy just to click and here we are. And so in some respects, I, I know you and probably other students have been doing this through FaceTime and other things for a lot longer than I'll say, you know, I jokingly say the people over the age of 25 had a little bit more difficult time adjusting and adapting to the to to the Zoom and the Teams platform um, because you, it's native to you and you've been doing it for a long while, you know. And you know, but it's 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 but but I think we've all adapted and it really is a great benefit. Even outside of work and student interaction and things like that, I just think about how how all of us have connected and taught our older family members, our grandparents and, you know, parents, you know, how this Teams and FaceTime and Google Chat and some of those other platforms, it, it is a whole lot nicer to be able to see a person. Do you think that Zoom is going to be used or like similar programs frequently from here on out post-COVID? Or do you think it's going to be something that slowly either changes into a new form or disappears a little bit? Because not every technological boom sort of stays, you know, like laser discs, for example. <laughs> we don't see too many of those anymore. Yeah, yeah, but but for many years they were they were they still were were there until something better came along. And so, 
I, you know, until something come better comes along than than Zoom or FaceTime or uh, Microsoft Teams or those again those audio video chats. I mean, I I think they're here to stay. I, I really do because because again, there's a great convenience to it. You know, and and they keep enhancing it to make it uh, continue to be relevant as we continue to transact our business. And I, and I just think the world is going to be different once we come out of it. I mean, I, I do think there's going to be greater flexibility and people are figuring out how to work at home. And, you know, as long as lawyers see that their business is being done by those who can work at home, I mean, some, some things can't be done at home, you know, just like it's a little bit harder for you to do lab experiments if you're a science in some sort of science major and engineering experience experiment when you're at home. You know, so there, so I, I think there, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be here to stay. I think, that, yeah, and I, I don't think it, it will it diminish. Yeah, it'll diminish a little bit, but I still think it's going to be prominent. This might be a difficult question because I'm, it's not meant to side with a political party, but in the beginning of last semester, we had a lot of students show up to the student government and protest the idea of a, of a vaccine mandate. While that hasn't happened yet, it could be inferred that the remaining percent of unvaccinated students still belong to that ideology and, and not to ostracize that group, but is there another way the university may approach those kinds of students and just heavily suggest to get the vaccine for their own health? Because obviously they've seen the emails, I'm sure they've seen you know, the information posted on walls and, and in the elevators, but that doesn't that doesn't matter to them. So maybe there needs to be a different approach to the message, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, to me, I value everybody's voice, and I think that's what the 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 president and others said. Look, we we hear everyone's voice, and if we can um, encourage people, you know, we got what do we say, eighty-one or eighty-two percent of our students, and ninety-one or ninety-two percent of our faculty and staff. <clears throat> that's better than the broader society, and so. Um, so that conversation of personal responsibility and protecting other people around, I mean, I, I think that that was effective, um, and, you know, and, and I think in, in due time for, for some that have that perspective, um, they were concerned that there may be some sort of, um, you know, long-term effect or something like that, that they were still uncertain about the science. Some were saying, you know, um, it's my choice and others were just un were concerned about the science and, and things like that. And I think as time goes on, I mean, that, that they, that the science will say, you know, that it is okay and they will have the, the information they need then to make that decision to go out and get, you know, get a vaccine. So again, it's, it's, I think if you look back in history, probably when new vaccines were introduced over time, whether it was polio or measles and mumps and rubella and, you know, varicella. And I just think of all those other, you know, tetanus. I mean, I think all those other vaccines that we've had, you know, growing up through life, you know, I, I, I suspect over time, there were people that weren't sure of it. And as time went on, you know, people said, there's a benefit to it. I have the information I need. There isn't a long-term health effect and I'm good with it. So, but I, you know, it's, it's important to listen to all those voices to understand what the reluctance is. And, and again, I, I'm certain there are plenty of people that, that were protesting that, 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 you know, the SGA meetings 
that did have the vaccine, you know, if you talk to some of them, they, they did, they were vaccinated. They just didn't appreciate that someone was telling them what to do. So again, it was, it was a mixed bag, you know, someone, it's not, it's too soon for me to get it. Others saying, I, I, I'm good with the science, but just don't tell me what to do. So. And I hope whoever listens to this interview knows that the student government body and the student <laughs> the student government at all knows that they they hear everyone's voices and not Absolutely just right. the populace. So thank That's you. Right. I, mean, I hope I hope people appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it's important to hear everyone's voice. I mean, that, again. That's what we keep talking about, you know, but college campuses are for, and you hear about this First Amendment, like, we don't have to agree with everyone, but I, I you know, you, you, we learn from everybody's perspective, and, you know, and, and you for, I form my opinion by talking to my friends, you know, Friday night over pizza, you know, I mean, you know, we solve the world's problems, you know, and, um, but that's, the, you just have to learn by listening to other people, you don't have to agree with them, you don't have to take it personally, but listen and have a conversation. I want, I'm all about learning. You walked in your shoes. I walked in my shoes. So what, what are shared experiences that, you know, that you can help me learn from a past experience? Sort of like, um, Brett, you were talking about how it was icy this morning, you know, and you had a little bit of car trouble. Well, you learned that from the past, whether you fell on the ice yourself or slipped while you were driving your car, or someone told you growing up, be careful, it's slippery, you know, and it, we, we learn from each other. Some of it's the basic stuff, but some of it's philosophical stuff. We don't put a key in the electrical outlet. We don't touch the hot stove. Once you do it once, you're, you know, you learn. Or someone's told you that you trusted, and, and, you know, and they talked about it with you in a safe way um, that didn't belittle you, didn't make you feel bad, but, you know, you heard them and they heard you and it was mutual understanding, so. I appreciate that answer so much. You have no idea. Thank you, Robert. I think that was a very good question. Is there anything else that you haven't gotten to say yet? Is there something that you feel like, oh, I I really came into this wanting to answer this question or say this or make this point? Well, I mean, one of the things that I've been saying recently is just how grateful I am for what so many people have had an important role as we've managed our way through COVID. I mean, I, I think about the frontline workers who've continued to work. I mean, I mean, I think about journalists who continue to put out uh, newspaper, radio broadcasts. Um, I think about the facilities workers on our campus who are cleaning up after us. Um, and I think about those who are testing, and I mean, and I think about particularly the healthcare workers who have been so overwhelmed. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for people who have continued to help, but I'm also grateful for students and faculty and staff who've, who've stepped up and continue to wear masks, have gotten vaccinations and things like that. So, you know, I, I never want to forget all of us who are, who are doing our part um, to help other people who may not um, have the immune system that can fight it if they get it. And so, I mean, there's just so many people who've done some great things. I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful for all that others have done. I, I agree. I think there's a lot of people out there that really do deserve a lot of praise yeah. for what they've been doing. That's right. Quiet. So there's some unsung heroes, heroes who are keeping us moving forward. Thank you very much uh, for your time. We, we really appreciate the interview. Anytime. I'm glad we could have this conversation. Once again, that was an interview with Corey Ferris, the Dean of Students at WVU. 
Now, since that interview was recorded, WVU issued a statement about extending the mask mandate to February 5th, 2022, due to the looming threat of the Omicron variant of COVID. Regardless of vaccination status, all individuals must wear masks in all WVU buildings and facilities. Exceptions to this are dining areas when eating and the rec center while exercising. They recommend using higher grade masks such as KN95s instead of traditional cloth or gaiters. Due to TSA travel restrictions, masks will be required on the PRT and WV buses until March 18th instead. So with all this COVID talk, what does this really mean for the school? That's a complicated question. Even though this phrase has been overused, it's still accurate. We are in uncharted waters right now. This is not something that we've had to deal with for a very long time, especially not in modern times. And because of that, it can be frightening, and we want to get out, and we want to, you know, free ourselves from the restrictions that we've been put in. But it's hard to do. There's a lot of factors to take into account, and there's a lot of information that we just don't have. And with the information that we do have, it's harder to get the word out about these things. It's harder to let people know and to get them to not only to believe and to put faith in these institutions that want to protect us, but to want to do these restrictions. I mean, I won't lie, it sucks. You don't want to be told what to do, and people want to be outside. We've been locked up for a good bit at this point. And even though we've, you know, become a lot more social and been able to leave, it's still something that's been bothering people and keeping people cooped up. I mean, think about all the kids and children that are being raised in this atmosphere. This is what they're going to think society is just like. And I think that's a very interesting thing to talk about and to think about going forward, that life's not going to be the same after this. Even, even if we manage to completely eradicate COVID and we no longer have to wear masks or anything like that, things are going to be different. It's going to be an entirely new playing field that everyone's going to have to buckle down and figure out. But before we even get there, we have to, you know, make it out of the pandemic. And to do that, we have to follow these restrictions, no matter how suffocating they may feel. That's why talking to people who deal with these sort of issues day to day, such as Corey Ferris, Dean of Students, and healthcare professionals, and the people who are setting these restrictions is so important. So you can understand where they're coming from and sort of gain a perspective from their end. I hope this episode of Feedback has accomplished that goal and given you some perspective and information on this topic. Once again, you have been listening to Feedback, a United 2 production. Feel free to tune into our parent station, 91.7 FN Morgantown, West Virginia. If you're out of range of us, feel free to listen to United 2 at united2themoose.com. Easy enough, right? Our homepage not only will be able to direct you to new alternative music, but you'll also be able to find some great content, such as our podcasts like Throwing Hands. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Brett Dabransky and Robert Stover. Catch you later.